Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood. Having trained more than 24,000 vets. Helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk Today with Will Bangura. Answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert, Will Bangura. Saturday morning, it's November 27th. Thanks for tuning in and letting us be part of your Saturday morning. I'm Will Bangura, and you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your questions about your pet's behavior. Um, doesn't matter what kind of pet you have. Maybe you've got a cat. Maybe you've got a dog. Uh, maybe they're driving you crazy because you've been working with certain nuisance behaviors, and it just seems like... They don't listen. They don't, they don't get it. Well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior and training issues. If you've got a question, if you've got a pet with a problem, if you would like help, hey, give us a call. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call is 602-277-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. If you're outside of Phoenix, you can call us toll-free. That number is 866-536-1100. Did you have a good Thanksgiving? Did you uh, did you get a lot of turkey? Are you tuning in this morning, or are you still in that uh, that turkey hangover, that tryptophan coma that you get uh, every every Thanksgiving? Did you watch the National Dog Show? You know, it's every Thanksgiving. Congratulations to Claire. Claire made history. Scottish Deerhound won best in show. Never has there been a dog that won twice. Claire has won best in show twice. And this happened yesterday. So, yeah, big things happen around Thanksgiving when it comes uh, comes to dogs. But um, speaking of dogs, let's say good morning to the big dog next to me. <laughs> Mr. Jordan Marsteller, how are you? Good morning, Will. I am fantastic. Thanks for asking. How was your Thanksgiving? You know, it was uh it was good. I cooked everything with uh the help of my awesome son, Bryson. Ah, uh, teaching uh, him to cook. Yeah, that's right. Getting that's that right. Little, getting that little uh preschool apron on there. Yeah, that's right. It's not, that's right. It's not just for watercolors and finger painting. That's right. Now it's for no, cooking. No, now it's for cooking. Hey, that's you know what? Point. I started cooking at a young age, why not start him, you know? But it was, it was good. It was good. I had, I had a really nice turkey with a nice, like, it was a spicy, sweet, homemade rub mm. that I made. It was really, really good. And it was honestly, like, honestly, you know, and I'm sorry if you're watching grandma, but I think it was the best turkey I've had so far on Thanksgiving. Uh-huh. Barney, <laughs> he, he did the bird upright. He did That's the right. Bird That's up right. Right. Um, yeah. So what about, Black Friday. Did you go shopping yesterday? Yeah, actually I did. I did a a lot of a lot of shopping for the boys. Yeah. Really? Um, you braved it, huh? Yeah. Yeah. You it was, went out in that hell? Oh, I absolutely did. And it actually wasn't that bad until we got to the mall. Well, there you go. And that's why every year on Black Friday I just watch reruns of UFC yeah. UFC <laughs> fights rather than go yeah. to the store because it's the same thing. No, it absolutely um, is. It absolutely is. But anyway, um, these are the times. These are the holidays. Whose dog 
whose cat yeah. got up on the counter. Oh, I'd love to hear this story. And ate the bird. Oh, if you had a bird, no. you know, heaven forbid if you got a cat and you decided to, uh, well, bake a fish or something yeah. like that on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, I know what they say. Well, you know, Jesus. Right? Yeah, you know, that's right. Brought all the fish. Yeah. You know, why are we not doing that on Thanksgiving? But, um, yeah, the fish will not multiply if you've got one of those dogs. Let me tell no. you, they're going to diminish. <laughs> You're going to be experiencing diminishing returns. You know, you know, it was, it was actually, it was funny. Um, we had cleaned everything off. My turkey bones just needed to go into a pot for some, uh, turkey stew. For yesterday, we we're gonna make some turkey stew, and Ruby Ann goes. She says, "You know, we should be careful. One of these, one of these dogs might uh, might get that those bones off the table." And I was like, "No, no, they're not going to." Don't tell me they did. Oh my goodness! I heard it, and I turned oh. around, and there's Bear Coon with the little with one of the leg bones in his mouth. And I was like, "Bear, what do you think you're doing?" And he dropped it, and he ran outside. And I was like, "Yeah, that's 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 what I thought, bud." So let's talk a little bit about bones because this yeah. happens. Cooked bones are bad for your dog. Yep. They absolutely are. Raw bones, not a problem. Not a problem. People don't know that. Now your dog might get some loose stool from a raw bone if you've not given them raw bones before. But that's just like changing up dog food. You change your dog's dog food, chances are they're going to get loose stool. Yep. They don't do good switching abruptly, especially when you go from, say, kibble or canned food, which is cooked, right, versus raw when we're talking about a raw bone. But you can give your dogs raw bones. You can give your dogs chicken bones. Pork, Absolutely. Pork as long bones. as they're, they're raw. Yeah, they can't be cooked. They just got to be raw. Cooked bones splinter, so it's a good thing that uh, you got that away from uh, from bear cooking. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But today we are going to be concluding um, our series basically on resource guarding. We've yeah. been talking for the last few weeks about resource guarding. Last week we talked about object guarding. You know, if your dog uh, might grab your remote, maybe a pair of shoes, some socks, and is willing to go to the mat. Yeah. Speaking of UFC, <laughs> willing to go to the go to the octagon. And fight you to death for that object. So we talked about that um, two weeks ago. Last, no, object guarding was last week. Two weeks ago, we talked about food bowl, food bowl. aggression. Um, if you happen to miss last week's show, if you missed the week before, don't worry. If you've got a dog that has a problem with resource guarding, um, you can listen to those two missed episodes by subscribing to the Pet Talk Today podcast. You can go to any of the platforms, hosting platforms like uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, um, Alexa. Ask Alexa. Pet Talk Today, Alexa. Man, I, I have like PTSD. When you said Alexa, I was waiting for her to ding in the background. Do you have an Alexa? Oh, my gosh. And she goes off all day, every day. You know, I have no a, reason. I have enough problem dealing with, you know, the chick that tells me where to go and what to do <laughs> as I'm driving here. As I'm driving here, the, the woman in the box that that uh, that tells me to get here. That's I don't right. know if I can handle another one, Alexa. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, so but today we're going to be talking about location. Yes, very location. important, very important. And sometimes people, they might say, well, we're talking about territorial aggression. Well, yeah, but it's a resource. That's right. Territory is a resource. Absolutely. They wouldn't be aggressive if they didn't view that as a valuable resource. 
and that as you approach that location, it then um, threatens that resource. Now, there's a lot of different reasons. It could be comfort. You know, we may have an old dog that has um, some arthritis, some hip dysplasia, other painful conditions, and uh, being in its little comfortable spot, that has value. That Absolutely. Has value. But we're going to be talking about location, um, aggression, and um, then we're going to be, if we've got time, we're going to talk a little bit about um, protecting people, guarding people. Okay. A lot of the stuff that we've talked about, whether it be food bowl aggression, resource guarding, as we get into location aggression and being aggressive towards people, um, a lot of what we do is the same. So we're going to get into that um but first, we're going to go ahead and take a break first so we can uh, hear from our sponsors. But when we come back, um, I think what we'll do, we've got Bridget on the line. Yeah. I, I think we'll go ahead and take a call when we come back from break. Then we'll go ahead and get into the rest of resource guarding. And we can talk about location guarding. And we can talk about guarding people. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back after these messages. Everybody when they come to my door All it ain't a thing if it falls on the floor Now I've heard the rumors I think I better ask you See, I'll eat anything that's on the floor And that's what that's what's happening here Absolutely I'm Will Bangura And I'm Jordan Marstelli And you are listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX Where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. If you've got a problem with your dog, your cat, or whatever kind of pet you have, if you've got a behavior problem, if you've got a training issue, and you would like some help, give us a call. Our number is 602-277-5369. That's 602-277-KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call 866-536-1100. But we've got Bridget on the line who has been patiently waiting, holding since, uh, gosh, before 9 o'clock, actually. Bridget, welcome to Pet Talk today. How can we help you? Hi, thank you so much. Well, I have a territorial aggressive uh, aggression question about my two rescue cats. Um, I got the male cat, Francois, about a year and a half ago, and then about nine months after that, I got a female cat, Simona. Um, they're both about three years old. They're both six. Um, and when I got Simona and I added her to the house, Francois was fine with her. He didn't, he didn't re- really like her. He was, you know, didn't, didn't care at all that she was at the house, but he didn't attack her, didn't have any issues with her. And about two months after she was still in the house, uh, he started becoming more aggressive with her. And at this point, um, he's very aggressive towards her. She, I feel bad because I feel like I'm in a domestic violence situation mm-hmm. with these cats. Um, and he's, um, he swaps at her all the time, chases her. And what's really weird is that he was originally very affectionate with me and she never was. She's very scared. I barely get to pet her and he's not affectionate at all with me now. And, um, I, I'm not sure if I've just offended him so badly that she's in my territory, but I don't quite know what to do with the aggression issue. And now they're both kind of scattered throughout the house and, and um, don't interact with me or each other. Well, 
when it comes to the cats, when it comes to, um, you know, the aggression with it, you had mentioned something about the first two months you weren't having issues. But Not at all. Then after that, that's when they began. And that's going to be typical, people. That is going to be the way it usually is. You bring a new dog, a new cat into uh, an environment. The first couple months, they're just trying to get the feel of things. They're They're getting the lay of the land. They don't know whether or not these other animals that are in the house are going to be friendly. Are they going to be aggressive? Are they going to uh, put me in my place if I, if I step out a line a little bit? So as that new cat got comfortable, that's when those behaviors, you know, started, started to surface. Now, how did you go about trying to integrate them? Well, I didn't do probably what I should have done. I saw later that I should have done a slow introduction mm-hmm. over many weeks. And yeah. so what I, and because Francois was so mellow to begin with, and Simone is very, very sweet natured mm-hmm. and gentle, when I introduced them, um, basically I just let them uh, see each other directly in person in a room, and I kept her isolated only for a couple of days with him being allowed mm-hmm. to go in and out. And they just didn't care too much about each other. And I thought, wow, that's going really well. Mm-hmm. And because nothing changed over the first few months, I thought, okay, great. Sure. So you said it, and that was the introduction was too quick. And that's what a lot of people do that, that creates a lot of problems is these introductions need to be much slower now, we can try to go back and do a reintroduction, okay? Um, that might help. But before we even talk about that, um, one of the things, and I was reading a study recently, and I'm not a huge fan of the uh, pheromones, the plug-ins, the sprays, those type of things. But according to one of the more recent research studies that I read, the feline opposing pheromone, um, has had some pretty good statistical significance, apparently, as it relates to cats and cat aggression. Um, do you know what I'm talking about? Feel, yeah. feel away. Have you used any of those products? Yeah. So I don't have the diffusers because, to be honest, long-term use scares me a little bit because I actually get a little bit affected by them. I get slightly lightheaded. So what I do is I will use the sprays at night when they both try to come up into my room, one mm-hmm. Francois will get on the bed, Simona will stay on the floor, but Francois will still chase her for a couple hours if I don't spray that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just keeps them calm so I can fall asleep. So we already know then, based on your report, that it helps. And my suggestion would be that if it's better to spray versus diffuser for you, maybe, I don't know if you have bandanas on them, uh, how you're keeping that scent with them, but try to do something where we can have that scent with them where the scent is stronger and it's lasting longer throughout the day. So that's one thing. The other thing would be to begin to separate the cats um, and then do the right process of introduction. And, and what I like to do is get a couple socks, and I like to begin to integrate their scent through the use of socks first. And what I mean by that is you'll get a sock for each cat. You will take that particular sock, make it like a sock puppet. It's going to go over your hand. You're going to start petting the cat with that sock, okay? So each cat's got their own separate sock. Now what you're going to do is you're going to bring the other cat's sock to the opposite cat, and you are going to start 
petting them. Okay, you're going to start petting them and intermingling those scents. So each cat separately gets the other sock of the other cat on your hand petting them, and you're putting that other cat's scent on them. You need to do that for daily. You need to do that daily. You need to do that for, for several weeks to be able to do that. Um, one of the things that is really beneficial is, and I don't know, some people, I say this, they think I'm crazy. Some people, yeah, I get it. A harness and a leash on the cat and high value food rewards. And when the other cat comes in, start feeding very high value food rewards when the offending cat sees the cat that is, you know, the one that's getting attacked. When that cat leaves, feeding stops, high value food rewards stop. The cat comes back into view. You start feeding again, feed, 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 feed. Very high value, whether, you know, if your cat's eating kibble, go to wet food. Or if you use particular treats, go and get the highest value food reward that your cat could possibly love. Now, this is something that should take about three weeks. You do this very, very slowly as far as the scent integration, then getting them together. But you need the ability to have the non-offending cat come in, and you may have to coax that cat in with some high-value foods also and start to counter-condition and desensitize that cat because right now, that non-offending cat views, hey, when I come in here, when I see this other cat, bad things happen. And we need to turn that around where that cat starts viewing the offending cat as something positive. And the way you're going to do that is, again, non-offending cat sees offending cat. As soon as offending cat is seen by non-offending cat, feed, 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 feed. Offending cats out of view, feeding stops. And you repeat that process over and over, as well as the scent integration with the socks. Okay. After you've seen them together in that area where you're controlling the situation and you've had at least two months of not having any aggressive behavior, no provocate, no provocations, you should be in an okay place. Now, if you've done this for two months and you're getting like no improvement or just very, very little improvement, then you might want to consider going to your veterinarian. You might want to consider going to your veterinarian and talking to your veterinarian about some medication, not something that's going to make your cat a zombie. I'm not talking about that. We got some great medications that don't sedate, don't make them sleepy, don't take away their personality, but yet it helps with aggression. But we want to try that training and behavior modification first. So, Bridget, give that a shot. Try that. See if that works. Um, do you think you could try that and give that a shot? Yeah, I'm going to try it all. Give that a shot. Do us a favor. Give us a call back after you've done that for a while. Let us know how that's going. Okay. All right. All right, Bridget, All right. thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful holiday. If we don't hear from you uh, before Christmas, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much. All right, take care. Bye-bye. So, yeah, it's not just dogs, right? It's any pet, any animal, um, cats especially. And I'll tell you what, um, 
You ever been bitten by a cat? Oh my goodness, yes. What? I don't think I told you the story about my demon cat that I had. Worse than getting bit by a dog. It is worse. And it's terrible. The infections? Oh my Much worse. Gosh. You can get much sicker from, from getting bit by, by a cat. Um, I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Do you have a crazy cat like Bridget? Do you have an out-of-control dog? Do you have a pet that desperately needs some training and behavior help? Are you fed up with your pet just not listening? Maybe you've got a bird that's bonkers. Maybe you've got a rabbit with bad habits. Maybe you've got a temperamental turtle. It doesn't matter what kind of pet you have. It doesn't matter what kind of problem you have with your pet. If you're fed up and you want help, that's what we're here to do. We're here to help you deal with all of your pet training and behavior issues. If you're in Phoenix or the surrounding area, the number to call if you'd like some help is 602 602- Two seven seven five three six nine. That's six zero two two seven seven KFNX. Those outside of Phoenix, you can call us toll free. That number is eight six six five three six eleven hundred. We're going to be going in just a minute or so. We're going to be taking a break. Uh, we've got to go to news, but um, we will be when we come back. We'll be talking about location specific aggression. Some might call it. Territorial aggression, we still call that resource guarding. It's a resource, that particular location. Um, if you have missed any of the Pet Talk Today shows, if you missed last week's episode on object guarding, the week before on food bowl aggression, you can go back and listen to those by subscribing to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Go to any of the podcast hosting platforms like Spotify, uh, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast. Look for Pet Talk today. You don't have to miss anything. We've got to go to news, but when we come back, more on Resource Guarding. Don't go anywhere. He never tells me that he's sick of this house. He never says, why don't you get off that couch? He don't cost me nothing when he wants to go out. I want you to love me like my dog. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls and answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Today we're going to be talking about, uh, promise you we are, we're going to get right into it right now, location guarding or territorial aggression um, as part of our series on resource guarding. Location is a resource. And Jordan, how do we go about um, beginning this process? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's jump right in. So the first step, folks, you have to make a list. This list is not like the list that Santa is going to be checking twice. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess in a way it might be naughty and nice list. Of all the locations that your dog guards, okay, that is the first step. Now, what are the common things that could be on this list? Things like the couch, the dog bed, maybe the bathroom, maybe the living room itself, maybe the backyard, maybe it is just your daughter's bed, whatever it is. Under the table. Exactly, under the table, that's a good one. In the kitchen, maybe by the stove, things like that where food occurs, the food bowl area, you know. Things, areas, locations that your dog 
guards. Okay. So what we've made the list of areas, the right. locations that the dog guards. And, and if you folks were listening the last couple weeks, you know that, um, we will begin this process in a location the dog does not guard. Exactly. Exactly. We have to teach a game and, and the whole process is a game. And we need to make it a fun game. So we're going to find locations that the dog doesn't guard. And Jordan, how do we start with those locations? Absolutely. What are we doing? The first step, we need to teach our dog a game called the target game. Okay. Mm. So now, basically, what this is, is where I present my palm to my dog. And my dog comes from variable distances and touches their nose to my palm. We're going to be using this exact skill to move our dog in and out of each location. Okay. So to begin training this, you're going to start in a location away from anything that's guarded. Okay. You want to completely remove any type of resource guarding from this uh, part of the game. Now you're going to present your palm near the dog's nose. Okay. Just near the dog's face. Your dog is probably going to be like, Oh, what are you? Are you trying to give me something? And if they touch their nose to your hand, mark and reward that behavior. And you're going to keep continuing that process where you put out your hand, your dog comes over to sniff it. And as soon as they touch, boom, mark and reward. After the dog starts to understand, Oh, mom or dad puts their hand out. I touch my nose to it. And I get food. As soon as that clicks in your dog's head, you're then going to go target or touch. You know, give it a cue. Okay. That way your dog is being told when I put my hand out, I'm going to say touch or target or whatever the cue, the cue is that you want to use. And they come to your hand to receive that mark and that reward. And okay? as you begin that process yeah. to teach the targeting and you've got that palm of your hand that you're presenting and wanting the dog to touch it with their nose, you will begin to add some distance. Absolutely. Making the dog move into from a little bit of a distance into that hand. And I just wanted to bring that yes. up as well. Yes, 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 yes. But once we've got it on cue... Absolutely. Now we can use it. And how do we use targeting right. when it comes to helping with um, being aggressive towards different locations? How okay. do we do that? You're going to start with a place that the dog does not guard. Okay. Let's say, for example, the couch is something that your dog likes to guard. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want to start on the couch. Maybe I can take a couch cushion. Ah, that's a good idea. And move that couch cushion across the room. And put it on the ground. Now we have a nice little association between the two, but it's not the couch. Yeah, it's kind of like couch light. Exactly. Couch light. Yeah. Precisely. And if that's too much, then we're going to start the game elsewhere. Maybe we'll use a blanket that your dog doesn't guard. Teach your dog the game on that blanket. And then you can move that blanket onto a cushion that is off of the couch in a different area. You know, we just, you, your dog really decides how I'm going to add something to yeah. this that a lot of people wouldn't think about if it's really difficult, really difficult for your dog, but yet you've got to do it. The couch thing, right? Yeah. And, and, um, let's say you, you put the cushion down and that's too much. It's too hot. Yeah. So to speak for the dog. 
that blanket you talked yeah. about, not just putting the down, rubbing the blanket on the couch, get, ah, picking up the scent there we go. of the couch. There we go. Okay. Because dogs navigate the world through their nose. Absolutely. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So now once we have our location picked, that is not too hot. It's just got to be kind of cool, not cold. And we're looking for the Goldilocks yeah, rule. Exactly. You know, not too hot, not too right. cold. Just right. Yeah. Just right. Okay. Now you are then going to Give your target, present your hand, and combine that with the cue up or get in, get on, whatever your cue is to go into that area, okay? So I'm presenting my palm over the couch cushion, and I'm going to say up or whatever my cue is for moving into the location. The dog moves in and touches my palm, and I'm going to mark and reward. Now, when my dog targets and then also enters that location, I'm going to, this is not a high value reward, okay? This is a praise, verbal praise, good boy, good girl. So going into yes. the location, praise. Just praise. Not mark and reward. Not a heavy reward, okay? okay. Not a high value. No, why, I apologize. Why is that? The reason for that is because the highest value thing is to get your dog to leave the thing that they're guarding. That's okay. what we really right. want to be so paying targeting the, dog, the for. dog in the location. Just, yep. just praise. Exactly. Targeting the dog to come out, which is difficult. Exactly. We're going to give a really big paycheck. Precisely. Got it. That's okay. when they get the really good stuff, the chicken okay. or the steak. Okay. okay. Got it. That's when they're getting that. Now, as soon as your dog gets into the location, the moment that they're in there, and I've said good boy, good girl, giving them praise, I will immediately give a cue off or whatever, out, whatever the word is, and present my hand outside of the location. And my dog should target my hand and leave the location. When that occurs, I will then immediately mark and high-value food. Boom, 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 boom. Lots and lots of love because the dog just left the location to target my hand. And by the way, folks, that is the official sound effect for feeding your dog. That's boom, right. Boom, 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 okay. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. That's just a like jackpot. That. Jackpot. That's right. Jackpot there. Okay. Exactly. It's almost exactly. like ding, 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 ding. Exactly. In, in, in Vegas, right? When you hit that right. Precisely. Jackpot. Precisely. My okay. mom's got a good story about that. But anyway, so you're going to repeat this exact same process back to back to back a few times in a row. After a few times of doing it, your dog should start to respond to the verbal cue before you have to put your hand down and present it. Mm-hmm. Once this happens, you can start only using the verbal cue, okay? If it doesn't happen, if your dog's being a little bit hard-headed, then just give it a few seconds of verbal cue and then present your hand, okay? That way we give your dog the chance to respond to that verbal cue, all right? Now... Once our dog has a good idea of in and out, the game, the game, we are now going to send our dog in and I'm going to allow my dog to relax a little bit. Settling is extremely important because settling in the dog's mind invokes a bigger form of ownership of that location. Okay. Once they're settled in, this is their spot. Yeah. Okay. You know, you know. Yesterday, when I when I got in my spot, yeah, you know, that, no, seriously, don't you dare come and touch my plate. Exactly, don't you? Exactly, you my know, plate, was... my spot on the couch, my spot at the table. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, 
We are going to keep repeating the exact same process as before, but we are allowing the dog to settle down more and more and more. So with each repetition, yep. and we're doing this a lot, and that's one thing you got to understand. This is not a one-shot deal. That's right. This is doing these things once, maybe twice a day, three to five times a week, and we are going through very, very uh, small baby steps. As we move forward, we cannot move too quick, too fast, too soon. We can only go as fast as the dog's pace. Exactly. And now there's an issue that a lot of people may run into. Maybe your dog doesn't want to settle in the location. They're just, they're either A, they're taking the game too seriously, or they may even just be not really wanting to lay down. Well, let's make it more comfy for them. Let's make, let's, let's make it a little bit more inviting, you know? A little more homely. Put down a bed. Put down a blanket. Put down a towel. Something that makes it seem like it's not just the norm. It's a spot where your dog can get comfy. Something that isn't just the regular hardwood floor. You know? Yeah. Um, that makes sense. Now, once your dog feels a little bit more invited, we're going to keep doing the same exact process. But I am slowly increasing the amount of time that my dog stays in the location. So maybe I started out at five seconds, then I'm at 20, 30, 45. However, you may have to go at different speeds, okay? But we are slowly increasing the duration until we can get to about a minute and a half of your dog remaining in that location and then you calling them out and they are still fine with leaving that. Once that occurs, that's when we're going to change things up a little bit. Um, so once you're able to leave your dog there for about 90 seconds, now we need to start incorporating me entering that space. And that's something that we're going to get to right after this next break, because we have about, I think about 30 seconds left, um, until our break. So, so when we come back, we will talk more then about that and what the other steps are to complete this process to desensitize and counter condition your dog so it doesn't have problems with guarding location. We gotta take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you are listening to Pet Talk Today here on 1100 KFNX, where we take your calls, answer your pet behavior and training questions each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Be sure to join us next Saturday. Next Saturday, we've got Terry Wallace that we've got live in studio. Terry is an animal communicator and pet psychic. And she claims that she can speak to your pet, understand your pet. She can even communicate with your pet beyond the grave. Um, Terry says she can communicate with insects and plants. So this is going to be interesting. I'm a skeptic, I'll be honest. But I'm going to keep an open mind and we will see where things go. Anyway, before we went to the break, we were talking about location guarding, location aggression. We're going to get right back into it. Where did we leave off? Absolutely. So when we left off, we now have our dog staying on that location for approximately 90 seconds. At this point, I am now going to walk away very briefly, just momentarily, come back and then get my dog out of there. And I'm going to keep doing this until I've got my Duration up to about two minutes or so. Okay. Now, once my dog can stay there for about two minutes, 
I am now going to send my dog into that location. Okay. And I'm just going to pat them one time on the head. Just one, one small pat on the head and then get them out of there. Now, here's the thing. When I pat my dog, I'm going to mark and reward. When I have my dog leave the location, again, I'm going to mark and reward. Okay? Now, I'm going to repeat this process over and over, but I'm building on it. So the next thing that I'm going to do, maybe I'm going to pat a few times on the head. Then after that, I'm going to stroke the dog on the head or onto the back. Then after that, I'm going to pat the the dog on the back and the neck and the head. And I'm just increasing the amount of physical interaction that I have with this dog. Now, after we've done that and we have added in all these different ways that I'm touching the dog, and mind you, the process is simple. Send dog into location. Pat dog. Reward them. Call them out. Reward again. Now, once the dog is doing that, I am going to send the dog into the location. And from about five feet away, I'm going to crouch down and I'm going to praise the dog when they don't react. I'll get up, target the dog off, mark and reward. Now, there is a chance that you may have to do this before you desensitize your dog to the touch, just because some dogs may not even be, may not even let you get close enough to pat them. So be ready to be on your feet and change it up if you have to. And, and I do want to say that as much as we're giving you all of the protocol for how you deal with this, this is dangerous stuff. If Absolutely. you truly have a dog that is aggressive, and I'm talking about a dog that, that also bites, right? that will do you harm, we don't recommend that you try this on your own. Absolutely not. You need to hire a professional. Yeah. You need to hire someone that knows what they're doing, okay? Um, don't try this on your own. Exactly. So now, now I've crouched down from about five feet away and I played the game, but now this time I'm going to sit instead of just crouch, get right back up, praise my dog, target them out, mark and reward, do the same thing again, but a little bit closer. So maybe a foot closer. And I'm going to keep doing this over and over, getting closer and closer and closer to the dog. And again, you may have to do this before you start doing the touching of the dog. And I want to say, too, because I talked about it a lot the last two weeks. Yeah. And we haven't brought it up. But this approach needs to happen as you're doing this from different angles, different directions. That's right. Um, are you approaching with your hands down? Are you approaching with your hands up? Right. Are you approaching slowly? Are you approaching quickly? All these little nuances are each what I call an ingredient that has to be part of this process. And with everything that we just talked about for the pet guardians to do with their pets, we're only talking about so far we've done that in one location. Exactly. The least offending location, the location where the dog is the least aggressive. Now we go to the next location on that's our list. That's a little bit more. That's a little more. Yep. The last location on our list is the location that the dog is the most aggressive. So as we're playing this game, working on getting your dog in and out of locations first, they don't guard. Right. Secondly, getting them in and out of locations that they do guard. 
But again, we are going to start with the uh, location that is the most benign. Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a, a process that takes months of work, day in and day out. There's nothing that difficult about it. It's just inconvenient. It's inconvenient. It's a little bit time-consuming. Yep. The sessions should last anywhere between 5 and 10 minutes. Yeah. I mean, they're short. You're pushing it at 15 minutes. Oh, big time you're pushing it at 15. But anybody can do this. Absolutely. It's just a matter of having discipline, being very consistent. Now, if you would like to get a copy, a written copy of the steps, the protocols that we go through, that we teach here at Phoenix Dog Training, where we specialize in aggression, you can go ahead and send us an email, and you can send that email to info at PetTalkToday.com. That's info at PetTalkToday.com. We've got handouts on food bowl aggression. We can send you the protocols and steps. We can send you the handouts, the protocols and steps for object guarding and the protocols and steps for the location guarding. We can send that to you again. Send us an email if you'd like to get that at info at PetTalkToday.com. And remember... um, If you've ever missed any one of the Pet Talk Today shows, be sure to subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Ask Alexa, hey, I want to hear the Pet Talk Today podcast. You can listen to last week's episode if you weren't here listening to us live. And that's on Object Guarding the week before on Food Bowl Aggression. And you haven't missed a thing. Exactly. Now, the thing is, Up until this point, what we've been doing is we've just been getting closer and closer to the dog. And I also want to add that there's a good chance your dog has been muzzled this whole time. I may not have said that in the beginning, but there is a good chance that up until this point, your dog has been muzzled. Yeah, it depends on how aggressive, right? Yeah. And and we'd rather be safe than sorry. And if we've got a dog that we're concerned about, hey, we might get bit. We need to be cautious. We need to have them wear that muzzle. Um, and then as we've done all of this with the muzzle on and gone through that whole process, then we start over with the muzzle off. Yep. So, again, one of the big things that I want everybody to hear is that this is not a one event and you're done. This is a very long process with lots of little baby steps that you go through. And as you begin to add something new, you back up a few steps and rebuild. So after you've had this done and the first person, the person that the dog is least aggressive towards and least reactive towards when it comes to these locations, that person has gone through this process in all, each of the locations and gotten this result. Then the next person in the house starts that process all over again. However, as you go from one individual to the next individual doing this with the dog, each successive individual, this should get much easier because they understand the game. Yeah. They understand the game. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, that, and that in a nutshell 
is the process for object guarding. But there are a few little tips and pointers that I want to that I want to put out there. Exactly, and location, right? Or yeah, I said objects. I meant location. Um, so let's say you have a picky eater. Okay, I just had to have one of my clients that had to stop giving chicken as her food reward unless it was something super massive. And what they had to do was they actually had to take the dog ate only half a cup of food a day, very small dog. They had to take a quarter of a cup of that kibble and put it into their treat pouch. And that was their main reward throughout the day for everyday menial tasks because the dog stopped eating its regular food because it was getting so much chicken yeah. on the outside. And and you've got – think about the high-value food rewards as a paycheck. And we're asking these dogs to do the most difficult job that there could possibly be because right. as far as they're concerned, um, their job is a life-and-death situation. Right. So you better have a really good paycheck. For the difficult, severe behaviors like aggression. Well, we made it through resource guarding. Finally. Next week, Saturday, make sure that you're here from 9 to 10 a.m. where we've got pet psychic and animal communicator Terry Wallace that's coming in live in studio. Make sure that you've got your questions ready for the pet psychic and animal communicator about your pets, even if you've got a pet that is... Beyond the grave. Go ahead and write those questions down because we're going to find out just exactly how good Terry Wallace is as far as being a pet psychic and animal communicator. Have a great weekend, everybody. Go Suns tonight. Don't go anywhere. Shoeshine Mike is next. The information and opinions you hear on this radio show are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of KFNX, its affiliates, management, or advertisers. The Pulse of Arizona, 1100 KFNX, Phoenix.